Pastor Chris has been doing a great job of leading us in a series called Illuminate, and he's been uh, helping us to grow to understand uh, the Beatitudes better. I hope you've been enjoying that. Um, of all the times of preaching that I can think of, I, I was going to be keep pointing to the screen, pointing to the, uh, if you've been here, he had the little diagram, you know, the, the stair step diagram and scriptures. I was going to underline words and all kinds of things. So, um, so you'll have to, to, to really press in here today. If you haven't seen the messages, let me encourage you. If you haven't seen these messages, go back online. You can watch them where uh, Pastor Chris has talked about uh, the poor in spirit, you know, recognize our, our uh, inability to fall, you know, our inability to do anything for ourselves. So we fall on the goodness of God, on God's ability. And that's, uh, that's something we recognize with our mind and we begin to enter into the kingdom of God. All right. And then he talked about the, um, those that mourn, having a godly sorrow, a godly sorrow over sin. And, and I want to encourage you. Um, sometimes, you know, e even here today, I had an, an encounter so with someone who, uh, they just, they, they, they said, I, I blew it. You know, I made a mistake. I, I, I did something I shouldn't have done. And, I'm, and they were, they were grieving. And in, in, uh, at first I felt myself want to step in and kind of relieve the, the sorrow, the mourning they had for their sin. And I really did. I felt kind of the prompting of the Holy Spirit said, no. This person, they need to go ahead and they need to recognize that their sin was sin and it was an, a sin against God, but it was all, also, it, it had a negative impact on their life. And, and we don't want to make things so easy and convenient for people that they take sin lightly because Jesus didn't take sin lightly. Jesus took it so seriously that he gave his life to save us, to forgive us of our sins and to save us from it. So, so sometimes that deep emotional contrition, that uh, it helps us, it helps us get to the root of issues. And, and again, that's, um, that brings comfort, the, the scripture talks about. And then last week he talked about, the, um, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And, and again, I loved the whole idea that, remember, meekness, meekness is never weakness. It means you don't have a choice. Meekness really means strength under control. Um, has any, maybe you've heard this, somebody, you know what they, the process, have you ever seen those movies where like the horses, you know, there's a general on a horse and he's got his sword and he's charging the battle and there's cannons and guns and how come these horses aren't flinching and running? And you know, they, They've gone through a process that's called meeking. And what that process is, is they, they learn to be under control, the, under the control of their master. Their strength, their wills have been submitted to their master so that no matter what's going on around them, they're submitted. They still trust their master, that meeking process. How many of us have been in the meeking process, <laughs> right? We're still learning. We're still learning just to be under the control of the master. And as we do that, as we learn to, to not trust in ourselves, but to repent, to turn from thinking that we can do it ourselves, then, um, then we really do. We inherit everything we need from God. And I loved what he talked about, that it's inheritance is not just a, a birthright, right? But it's also the strength to dispossess, to, the strength to, to step into and to possess everything we need to be God's people. And that kind of brings us to where we're at today. We've seen this movement of God moving us along, bringing us to this place where we really today, uh, in this fourth uh, beatitude, where we become a whole person in Jesus Christ. So let, let's read uh, some of these, um, these beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Uh, chapter, verse 4 says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then blessed, uh, chapter, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. And so we see this procession of blessing, this, this progress of blessing. And remember the blessing, um, I think Pastor Chris might have mentioned that Greek word makar, makarios. And what it means is just to have an overflow of the goodness of the grace of God in our lives so that we just declare, I am blessed. Anybody here had any good things from God in your life? Amen. Anybody had any comfort in times of trouble? Anybody had any financial provision in times of need? Amen. Did you eat breakfast this morning? Can I tell you, you experienced the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. So we are people who have experienced an overflow of the goodness of God, and that should result in our lives in joy. Anybody got joy in their life? You know what? I think we have a noticeable absence of joy in our world. I think we have a noticeable absence of joy in, in the people that aren't Christians. And unfortunately, in my opinion, I think we don't have enough joy in the church. Amen? We need to just realize how fully, how much we've been blessed so that our lives are completely filled with this overflow of joy and it, because in him, he meets all of our needs. So let me read it again in a couple of different verses. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, the, the Living Bible puts it like this. Blessed are those who long to be just and good, for they shall be completely satisfied. Um, I think in the original language, it means that they will be fully, they will be continually, they will be completely satisfied. Now, I want you to think for a second, how many people, how, how many people do you know that demonstrate this quality in their life? That, that, that they are just satisfied, that they've just got, their life is so full of the good things of God that, that man, they just, man, they are fully, continually satisfied, okay? You, you, you recognize that, that there's a joy, there's a peace in their life because of the f continual flow of the things of God in their lives. Unfortunately, many people today are filling themselves with all kinds of stuff, but they're never being satisfied. We find people that are always looking for the next entertainment, got to go to the next party, go to the next event. I've got to do something, but still there's no happiness or joy in their life. We find people that they're always looking for the next sexual conquest. And if I can just, you know, be satisfied, these desires and urges and the flesh and the lust and all that kind of stuff. But they fulfill that, but they still don't have any healthy relationships. There's nothing satisfying in their relationships in their lives. We see people seeking fame and, and get to the top of the pinnacle of fame and still no satisfaction. And I've got to find another high, something else. We find some people that are fortunes, fortunes that are, they've got to make a fortune. If I make enough money, then I'll be able to purchase, I'll be able to buy everything that satisfies my life. But you know what? They never find satisfaction. People that are bound in one type of an addiction or another. And if I get enough of whatever it is, then maybe I'll find some satisfaction. The problem is it just never, never comes to play. It, it comes into place, right? I, I, I mean, how many of us, has anybody here ever been 
been hungry. And uh, I really, <laughs> um, I, I say that in quotations because I'm not sure that in our world we've ever really been hungry or that we know what hungry is. But, um, but you've been hungry for something and you're just not sure what you're hungry for. Okay? I mean, this is like one of the ugliest pictures of my life. I stand in front of the pantry, you know, both doors open, and I'm perusing. I'm like a shark, man. I am just going around. I'm trying to find something to devour. Does anybody else do? Nobody else does this? Or the fridge, the fridge you know? And how many people, you go in the fridge and you look for something, you shut the door, don't find anything, and about 10 minutes later, you're back in the fridge. It's like maybe something miraculously appeared, you know? It was like it wasn't there, but now it's just God, you know, did some kind of miracle, and all of a sudden, it's there. Um, and, uh, you know, we're searching for something, but we don't know what we want. Go to a restaurant. Some of you probably might go to a restaurant today, uh, and, you know, and you get, the re- you get the menu, and you go, oh, I don't know. Here's 4,000 options, but I don't know. I don't know if there's really anything here, you know, so I think I'll just settle for Taco Bell, you know what I mean? What? <laughs> and we have all these options, but, but nothing satisfies us. I think it's the picture of our world, and really, it's not a new thing. It's, it's happened. Are we ready, guys? How many, this might ring a bell. Do we have the audio? Are we doing the audio? Okay, let, go ahead and play this audio, all right? See if this rings a bell for you. <laughs> we have to have to play the Rolling Stones to get clapping in church, right? So <laughs> it really is um, no satisfaction, no satisfaction going on in our world. I, I think it, uh, it reminds me of, of in the Bible, King Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes. If you haven't read it, you need to go. It's, a, it's, it's in the Bible. It's, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Um, <laughs> But uh, King Solomon, wealthiest person in the world, one of the wisest people in the world, right? He had the ability to go and to pursue anything that he wanted, and he did. He could buy anything he wanted, and he bought horses and lands and built magnificent uh, castles and, and palaces. And he did all these amazing things. He experienced, went out and experienced everything that could possibly be experienced. He traveled and, and he had 700 wives. Now, I don't have anything to say about that. And um, <laughs> I did hear one preacher say one time, I uh, said he was asked a question, he said, why, um, why did Solomon seven, have 700 wives? Now, I would never say this. This guy said this. He said, uh, he said because he was hoping to wake up one day and find one of them in a good mood. But I don't know what that's right. I am joking. That is not true. I, I rebuke that pastor, whoever said that. So, um, but it's, it's true it's sadly true of the world in which we live and where there is so many people who live with a lack of satisfaction, even more, even more disheartening or more alarming is that the same thing too many times is true in the church. That we live in this state of, with a, of just this, this gnawing in our soul of dissatisfaction. So a number of years ago, I don't know, 10, 12, 14, 15 years ago, however long it was, um, we were doing some things with men, men, men's ministry, and we, we were participating in this event called boot camp. And so we would take groups of men, <coughs> excuse me, and we'd go away and, uh, for a Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, 
and uh, we would just have these teachings and then these, um, these activities and, and, and some man stuff. And, but then there were times when we would just have these prayer times and kind of these freedom encounters. And I thought, man, we're doing this, and I've got to be an example, so I might as well go, you know, and just uh, be an encouragement to the guys. But I remember, I think there were a couple of the guys that are here this morning that were there, and they said, uh, what about you, Pastor? Come on, let's just pray and see if the Lord wants to say anything. And we always want to hear from the Lord until we hear from the Lord, right? <laughs> I just got a new book, an old book I'd ordered in. It's a book that's called a, um, The Truth Shall Set You Free, But First It Will Make You Miserable. <laughs> and this, uh, so during this, this time, the Lord just began to, to open up my heart to, from, that I was believing a lie that that you know, I'd never do enough, or never be enough, or never accomplish enough, or never have enough, or and, and just a number of things. And, and maybe you have been in a situation like that. I'll never know enough of the scripture. I don't. For me, it used to be, man, I, I don't. If I don't pray enough, if I don't study enough, that I won't have the anointing, and God won't do things. And and it was like it was all up to me. And and what 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 it was is there was just kind of this. I want things to be better. And it wasn't that I was trying to be better than somebody else. Even in our marriage, there were times when it was like, uh, let, let's just do a little more. Let's, be, let's, make, you know, let's, let's make it a little better. Let's work a little hard. Let's, and uh, there was never this time of just being satisfied. Not complacent, but satisfied. And all of a sudden, during that boot camp, the Lord just began to show me the truth. That I'd never be satisfied in myself. That the only place I was, there was going to be satisfaction was in him. And, and it was just freedom and deliverance and lies were dispelled and, and bondages, broken bondages. And, and it was a wonderful time. And man, I felt this satisfaction. And I just began to weep because I was fully satisfied in God. And at the, at the end of the boot camp, they gave me this rock. I forgot it's called. It just says, Satisfied Sam. In it, while there are so many things in life that I could say I want for my brothers and sisters, I want for my kids and for my grandkids, I want for the family of God. If I could just help pour into the lives of the people of God that we can be satisfied, fully satisfied, completely satisfied, ongoingly satisfied in Jesus Christ. That he is our place of satisfaction. I, I want you to have that, guys. I, I want it to be something that you can wake up in the morning going, man, he meets all my needs. He is my everything. I, I don't want you to just know it. I, I believe and this is what Jesus wants. Jesus says, I want you to hunger and to thirst for that which really satisfies not for something that's still going to eat junk and it still leaves us hungry, consume something and it still leaves us thirsty. He says, I want you to, to crave and to have a strong desire for something that will fill your life up, that will nurture you and strengthen you. Has anybody ever done that, eating a bunch of junk? And they go, oh, I feel, yeah, right? And it doesn't nurture us. Like I said, sometimes we're, we say that we're famished, we say we're starving, but but I really don't think we have ever been in that place where we just desperately needed some provision. You know, I remember being in St. Petersburg, Russia uh, years ago. And um, when I was there, it was, I saw this kind of this 
confusing situation. There were these um, young, tall, um, very attractive men and women. And uh, it was like there were two classes of people, these Scandinavian-looking, you know, attractive people. And then there were these short, weather-beaten, dumpy-looking little uh, Russian people. And I I thought to myself, I thought, man, this aging process over here is rough. I'm talking about. I don't, you know, I know shrinkage and stuff, but I don't know how you lose three feet and, you know, I just don't know what in the world takes place there. And so finally I beat around and asked them, but I said, what, 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 how, how do they go from here to here? And, you know, what, how's this all take place? They go, oh, no, no. What you're seeing there is you're seeing a, you're seeing a generational difference. And what you're seeing is those people that you're seeing are the people that went through the process of starvation during the World War. When, when, when St. Petersburg was, um, was surrounded and being just pressed in, sort of like what we see going on in our world today, that for, over, for almost two years, those people, the only substance they were given, they were given a quarter of a piece of bread a day. And, and because of that, many of them were malnourished and their growth was stunted. And so they, they hungered. They wanted something. They don't... And can I tell you, so many times I think our growth gets stunted because we don't have a holy passion and a holy thirst for that which will really satisfy, which will feed us, which will nurture our lives. You see, Jesus uses the example of hunger and thirst because he wants everyone to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I know, I absolutely understand that there are some people here today that you've had a bad meal when it comes to church or comes to God and, and, and somebody hurt you or somebody neglected you. And I'm not making light of that. And somebody, you got, you got treated wrong, okay? And I apologize. That's not the way the kingdom of God should operate. That's not what God wanted you to experience in church or under spiritual leadership or, or whatever took place. Okay, maybe you were just given a whole list of rules and regulations and just check the boxes and everything will be okay. And you can't check enough boxes to make everything okay. And so I apologize that you've been burned, that it left a bad taste in your mouth. And so you say, you know what, if that's what God, if that's what church, if that's what serving Jesus is all about, I don't want it. Can I tell you, if that's what God and that's what church and that's what serving Jesus is all about, I don't want it either. Nobody wants that. But can I tell you, that's not what it's all about. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not how it's going to be. So I want to encourage you today to not reject the goodness of God because somebody didn't know how to cook the meal. Let's not do that, all right? Anybody ever eaten a bad meal? Anybody plan on eating another meal sometime? Yes. Yes. There's a way to get the burned taste out of your mouth. And, and, and I believe that we can really taste and see that God is good and we can hunger for the full work of Jesus Christ in our life. And when we experience it, you know what we'll do? We'll be like Mary. Okay. Remember Mary, the mother of Jesus, in Luke chapter one, she says this, she says, oh, he hath filled the hungry with good things. God wants to fill your life with good things. And the only way this really becomes a reality is as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, all right? So I want to press in just to this word righteousness uh, just as we last few minutes here. What is righteousness? 
Um, I used to believe that righteousness was, um, I remember hearing the scripture, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And so, well, I've got to walk right, talk right, look right, act right, do right, you know, all these type of things. And, and we think a lot of times that righteousness is something that has to do with external, how we live, how we look, how we wear our clothes. Yvette and I went to a, a small Christian uh, university and uh, that was very legalistic. And, you know, you could check all the boxes. It doesn't mean your heart was right, but at least if you fit the part, then you must be okay. And that's just not true. So righteousness, what does righteousness mean? Righteousness means having a right standing with God. Number one, a right standing with God. Okay? That you're in a right relationship with God. And, and, and I want to throw this out right up front. We're going to come back and talk about it. But sometimes we think um, a right standing with God means, you know what? Well, I'm guilty of all of this stuff, and so God just tolerates my guilt. He kind of just overlooks my guilt. Can I tell you, that's not what righteousness means. Uh, it's hard for me to still grasp it, to get my mind around it. We are guilty of sin. We are guilty as sinners, okay? You can look at the person sitting beside you and say, he's talking about you and me, right? <laughs> We, we, were, we were guilty. We, we were guilty. But when we are made right in Jesus Christ, can I tell you this? That God doesn't look at us as guilty. He makes us innocent. He justifies us just as if I'd never done it. Just as if I'd never sinned. So when you accept the finished work of Jesus Christ, then you know what? Then you are innocent. There's, there's no accusation that can made against, be made against you. Philippians chapter 3, verse, uh, beginning of verse 8 out of the New Living Translation puts it like this. It says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Okay? Paul writing here, and listen to what he says. He says, for, this, for his sake I've discarded everything else. I counted all this garbage so I can gain Christ and become one with him. Listen. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Anybody here ever tried to obey the law? Okay, as long as I you know, just do what the big 10 say, right? I'm okay. But we miss it on like nine out of 10, right? <laughs> right? Look what he says. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends upon faith. It's not us. It's not our. We can't make ourselves right with God. We can't do enough good things. We can't preach enough sermons, sing enough songs, change enough babies in the, diaper, in, the, in, the, in the nursery. We can't do enough good stuff. Now, we should be doing good stuff, and we'll get to that in a minute. Isaiah says it like this. It says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness is filthy rags. That's, that's, that's what our works are, just filthy rags. Romans 3 in the New Living Translation goes on. It says this, says we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And everyone, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. You might think you're the exception. You might think, well, yeah, but I've been a really... The only way that we're made righteous is in Jesus Christ. For everyone has sinned, and we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God... In his great, amazing grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. How did he free us? By making Jesus pay the penalty. 
For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice of sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus was sacrificed his life, that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish people in past times. For he was looking ahead. All those things he did in the old times, all the sacrifices and all that, all those people still deserve to be punished. But God says, I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead to Jesus, and I'm looking ahead to what Jesus will do for us today. He was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. Listen to what he does. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Let me ask you this. Are you right in God's sight? Have you believed? Have you put your full confidence, your full trust in Jesus? Do do you have that hunger that says, Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. I want it all in my life. I I want to be in right relationship. You know what? And if we're in right relationship with God, listen to what happens. For since our friendship, Romans 5, verse 10 says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus has made us friends of God. How about that? God is your friend. He not only loves you, He likes you, which is miraculous, right? (laughs) That he likes us. He wants to be our friend. He likes to hang out with us. He, He enjoys relationship with us. So righteousness is, first of all, being in right standing, right relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus through, through Jesus taking the penalty for our sins and dying and, and, and being resurrected so that you and I, you and I could be saved, we could be innocent, and we could be friends with God. You know, a second part to righteousness is this. It's right living here on earth. It's right living. Now, let me tell you, you could, honestly, you could live right all of your life, never commit a sin, never have bad thought, bad attitude, you know, never talk back to your mother, and never, all, those, all those kind of things, okay? But just because you do right things doesn't mean you're right or you're righteous unless it comes from a right heart. So once we've established a right, we're in right standing with God, then we can live right on earth. Here's how 2 Corinthians chapter 5 puts it. It says this, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Can I say this to you? Some of you that have ever said, boy, I wish I was in the ministry, or I don't have a ministry, okay? That's not truth. Every single person who has been into, brought into a right standing, a right relationship with God, has been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's of bringing others into this same right relationship with God. So one of the greatest things we get to do to live right on earth is to help share the free message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus with people. 
And that is that, G, that Christ in God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, against them and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Listen, out of all of the people God could have chose to be on planet Earth in the very last days of time, in my opinion, to display as ambassadors the message of Jesus Christ, he chose you. He chose you. Anybody ever heard he saves the best for last? All right. Saves the best for last. He's got us here for an, at an amazing time. He's got us here with an amazing purpose that we could be his ambassadors. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God first. And then, uh, for, it goes on, for, it says, for our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we in him might become the righteousness of God. You are now the picture, the portrait of righteousness, of the righteousness of God to the rest of the world. First John says this, he says, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now, and I know that there's probably been times, I've certainly thought this, I've got to do all these things. I can't say bad things, I can't. But you know what, can I tell you, there's also a different look at this. That when I have been made righteous in Jesus, I don't have to do those things anymore. Can I, can I tell you there was a point in time in my life where lying was a pretty good practice, but I, I'm so thankful that now because of the finished work of Jesus in my life, I don't have to lie. I don't have to yield to lie. Because how many people know when you start lying, that's a slippery slope to go, to go down? You know, because we lie and then we support it with a lie and then we confuse it with another lie and then we're going to get caught in a lie, Right? And I don't have to worry about the, the, those, the impact and the effects of those sins in my life because I don't have to practice sin. I get to live right because of the presence of Jesus in me and through me. Amen? Uh, we got a choice, right? Can I say that, that when we, if, if we're ever going to sin, we don't have to sin. It's a choice. It's a choice. John, 1 John chapter 3 puts it like this, says, Now he who abides in him, keep, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. So little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Okay? Whoever, whoever has that, that I desire, I want to, I'm not going to turn from it. Now, everybody's going to sin, okay? Uh, everybody's going to sin sometime. That's why we, we're so thankful for 1 John 1, 9, right? If we sin, if we confess our sin, then he's faithful and just to forgive us. Our inclination, our practice, our slant in life is not to live in sin. It's to live righteously. It's to let the goodness of God flow out of our lives. But if we sin, we're going to repent of it, and we're going to step back into the right living. That's what the scripture says here. It says, for this reason, the Son of God appeared to destroy every work of the devil. So no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he can't keep on sinning. It's not in your heart to sin. It's not in your heart to continue to, uh, to do these things that are going to separate you from, the, from the, the presence and the peace and the goodness of God in your life. Now, with all the love in my heart, I'm just saying this. That if, if, you're, if you're drawn like a, 
a, you know, like a, like a bug to the light and you want to participate, all that's in your heart is, I want to just practice sin. And can I tell you that it, you might not be in right standing with God. And today would be a great day to say, God, God, I see how much you've done for me, how much you love me. And you want to free me from the trap. You want to free me from the snare of sin. So today I want to receive I want to receive your forgiveness, your life, your righteousness in my life to be your man, your woman, your boy or your girl today. See, the Bible tells us there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is destruction. God doesn't want anybody to be destroyed. God doesn't want anybody to to miss out. God's done everything possible. All that's ever going to be needed to make us right, he did it in Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is to submit to it. And then we get to live out the joyous truth of Proverbs chapter 15 where it says that in the path of righteousness there is life. And in that pathway there is no death. How many people say, I want to live that life where there is no death. I want to live that life where there's complete satisfaction. What I want you to know today, I want you to know that God has provided all we need to be and to live right. I want you to feel today, a great hunger and a thirst to be in a right relationship with God and to live his right plan for your life on earth. What do I want us to do? I want us to give ourselves so fully to Jesus today that we can receive his forgiveness, his life, and his love in a constant, continuous flow in our lives. Amen? Many people say, that's what I want. I, I want that constant flow of the righteousness of God in my life. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Can you see why now blessed? Can you see blessed are they that hunger, they that thirst, right, for righteousness? Why? Because we're going to be filled. We're going to be fully satisfied with the work of Jesus in our lives and the work of Jesus through our lives. Amen? So with uh, your heads bowed, nobody looking around this morning, let me ask you like this. First of all, is there somebody that says today, today uh, I'm not fully, completely confident that my life, that I'm in right relationship with God, that I've based all of my life on the finished work of Jesus, on his work in my life, but I want to, I want to give my life to Jesus and I want to be in right standing with God today. That's, That's my prayer. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and we're We're just going to pray for you today. Anyone else that just says, anyone else that says, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done for me. I want to receive that. I want to be, I want to have a friendship with God like I've never had. All right. And how about this? That's somebody that would say, you know what? I really do. I want to live right on earth. There've been some things, there've been some hangups, some habits, some, some attitudes, some actions in my life that, that they just haven't been right. And I've been giving place to things in my life that I don't want to give place to them anymore. I want to be free from them so that the righteousness of God can live both in me and through me. I want to live the plan. I want to live the purpose for which Jesus came for my life. Is that you today? There's been something, yes. There's been, there's been some besetting sin, something you've easily given yourself to, but you say, I don't want to give myself to it anymore. I, I, I want the full flow Why don't we all just right now just say, Jesus, here we are. We come to you and thank you for loving us. First and foremost, we say, forgive us of our sins. 
cleanse us today. We submit our lives to you. We believe in you. We believe that you lived and that you died, that you paid the price for my sin so that I could be made alive. I receive forgiveness. I receive new life. I, I, I receive justification today, just as if I'd never sinned. I believe I'm innocent today, and now a part of the family of God and a friend of God. Let's continue. Just in your own heart, why don't you just pray this? God, I come to you with um, these things that have been, um, they've been a sin in my life. God, they've been practices and habits, Lord, that it's not the right living that you desire for me. And so I repent of those things. And if that, there's something in your life right now, just uh, in your own heart and mind, just whisper it to the Lord. God, I repent, God, of jealousy. I repent of, of anger or unforgiveness. And I repent, God, for letting fear dominate my life. And right now, God, right now, I receive the power and the strength of your presence in my life to be able to live in righteousness, to fulfill your plan, to be your ambassador of reconciliation to all men everywhere. So God, I declare over my brothers and sisters right now, not only a spirit of freedom, but a, God, just an impartation of your presence that sets people free, God, to be righteous, to, to be in right standing with you and to live righteous for your glory and for your honor, to have healthy relationships, God, to, to, to be able to be an example and a witness, Lord, to people that they work with and go to school with. Father, that in every action and every attitude, they can bring you glory and honor. So I bless them now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.